everybody, and welcome back to Practice Makes Faithful. Today, we are in the season finale of season two, our final episode here in this short three-part series we've been in called Chris Story. We're going to get to all that in just a minute, but first off, my name is Ben Patterson, joined as always by Paul Hugomart. Yeah, we are, we're here on this final week leading yes. into Christmas, I guess not the final week of the year, but it is, yeah, so it is. Uh, the final week of the year for this podcast. So, yeah. So, for us, uh, man, a lot going on yeah. around yeah. here. Um, it's been a, been a busy time around Grace Chapel, and I'm sure, um, uh, you know, others listening that maybe are connected with other churches experiencing that, too, this time of year. Always, always a busy time, but uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but a lot of good festivities to kind of rally around. Yeah, yeah. We had our with Breakfast with Santa so, event this that's weekend. Right. That's right. Um, we got... Coming up now this week, we're having our Christmas gathering and uh, had our GC Youth Christmas party last night. So all yeah, kinds of good stuff. It's been really our fun. Staff Christmas party tonight. So, yes, man. It's it's. You know, I was uh, talking with somebody last week, and they were saying, "Hey, do you have a, you know, do you have a, an evening next week that we can connect?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, that'll be fine." So I'm looking through the calendar. It's like I've got one nope. night open this yep. week, and so <laughs> um, so that's good though. You know, I mean, it's uh, I think that's part of the thing that many people enjoy. Um, about this season, because a lot of the busyness does center around being with other people. It's not yeah. it's yeah. not task based exactly. busyness. Yep. It's yep. it's people centered uh, busyness, and so uh, so that's good. Get to reconnect with uh, you know get to reconnect and rekindle relationships and all that stuff. So, so mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. good. Uh, how, how about the, good stuff. How about the cold weather around the the corner for us here in North Georgia? Are you looking forward to? That? I'm enjoying it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What what is that? I haven't looked too closely. So um, I think beginning like sometime Thursday night to Friday morning, it, we're going to be four days or so where we don't get above freezing. Three days maybe. Oh wow! So okay. it won't be until you know next Monday morning. So that's kind of unusual cold streak for yeah. us. Um, yeah. You know, not my favorite as I'm not a freezing temperatures kind of guy. But uh, <laughs> nope. but for all those who like that, and I think maybe there was even some forecast of. A little wintry mix or something, maybe some flurries for Friday morning. So that'll put a lot of there we go. A lot yeah. of the locals here into the Christmas spirit, uh, <laughs> in a sense, with uh, with snow. Uh, it'll make Burl Ives and Nat King Cole and Bing Crosby proud. So that's it. That's what we want to do. That's what it's all about. Looking for snow on Christmas. So there you go. Man, and we hope you all have some good Christmas plans. Whatever you're yeah. doing, wherever you're at, hopefully you got some fun plans this week. If you're local, hopefully you can make plans to join us for our Christmas gathering yep. around here. And we'll actually be gathered on Christmas morning, which will also be a really yeah. special time this year yeah. for that for occasion. Sure. Once every, what, six or seven years, depending yeah, on the year. Is, yeah, I guess it's every six right. years um, to have a Christmas day. It's it's always cool. So. Um, Christmas Day on a Sunday. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. But let's go ahead and dive into this content, Paul, into this series, Christory. Um, yep. I know you'll be maybe moving forward with some of those ideas on Sunday, but this is officially the yeah. end of this series. Yep. Um, and today we're in this part about celebrate. So you want to just first give us this quick recap for the message, for the series, for anyone who maybe hasn't been following along. Yes. Just give us a quick refresh. So, you know, every year around Christmas time, we, uh, we tried to kind of reframe the story, find a new unique angle, a way of sharing um, the, really the, the events surrounding the birth of Christ, and, and not just the events, all the meaning mm-hmm, that's connected mm-hmm. to those events, the significance of that, um, and why we, why we do celebrate uh, these, these events. Um, you know, so this, this year we've been looking at the Gospel of Luke, and Luke, as he begins his Gospel, is very, uh, very purposeful about saying, look, what I'm telling you, I've investigated carefully, uh, and so I'm going to share as an investigator and as a chronicler, as a historian almost in, in some senses, because I want you to know that these things really happen. I want you to be certain of what I'm sharing with you. And so I really appreciate Luke's, Luke's Gospel, especially in our skeptical age, Mm-hmm. Because Luke is saying, I've done the research so that years down the road, or, or even, you know, he, he writes to this first guy or maybe a group of people called Theophilus, you know, and we don't know for sure because we don't know if there was one person named Theophilus. And there's also, you know, some interesting speculation around the name because it actually means lover of God. And so it could just be for anyone who, who loves God, who's interested in knowing about God that comes to Luke's gospel. Luke is saying, I'm writing this for you. Um, and again, especially in our very skeptical age, it's good to have 
uh, this gospel where so much research was put in so that Luke is saying, look, I'm accurately conveying to you the details of everything that happened, not just around the birth story of Jesus, but his life, his death, his resurrection, all these things. Luke is saying, in my gospel, I want this to be a gospel where you know not only have I researched the details, but I'm giving you all the details which you know, anchor those things in history. And so, you know, I mean, when, you know, <laughs> I just give this kind of illustration. When, uh, when, when one of my kids comes in and I'm asking them about, you know, something that happened and they give me just a very quick brush over and their answer is very general and vague, I often kind of take a step back <laughs> and say, like, all right, right, right. Tell me a little bit more about that because I'm not so sure that, um, that, that I can trust what you're saying. And I think maybe Luke, as a very intelligent person who was a physician by trade, I think he understood this idea of the fact that the more details are included in a conversation, the more it, it builds a picture and frames that conversation. And for Luke, he was trying to frame that within uh, the historicity of the events that, that mm -hmm, took place. Mm -hmm. And so therefore he goes to this very detailed account and even in you know, even in the passage that, uh, that we read from Luke chapter two, uh, two, I think it was one verse, verse 20, you know, Luke begins by talking about saying, look, this was in the days of Caesar Augustus. This was the first census that took place while this guy Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And so he goes on and tells, um, kind of reveals all these details surrounding the, the traversing of Mary and Joseph from Nazareth, where they both lived hometown, to Bethlehem, and even tells us that Joseph went there because he was from the house of David. And so all these people were called. I mean, Luke is the, the only one that gives us really this detail that they went because there was a census being taken. That's why they went to Bethlehem. Otherwise, you might wonder what in the world were Mary and Joseph doing in Bethlehem? They lived in Nazareth. <laughs> um, and so Luke gives us all those details so that we get this full picture of, uh, of everything that's taking place and why it took place. And so um, I think I personally appreciate Luke's gospel as, as someone who enjoys details in a story like that, especially historical, uh, you know, a historical narrative. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think many others probably find themselves uh, feeling that way too, again, because we are currently in a fairly skeptical age. So mm -hmm, Luke mm -hmm. gives us this gospel that's perfect maybe for the skeptical times we're living in. That's good. So that's kind of framing where we've been. Yeah, and so in this series, you've kind of moved through each week, starting with the first week being about preparation, yep. focused on uh, preparing for mm -hmm. the coming of Jesus, of how God did that throughout history, about how we do that in mm -hmm. preparing for this celebration. And then last week was declaration, yes. um, declaring uh, declaring this good news, the good news of the gospel, Jesus coming yep. here to earth. And then this week, your word is celebration. So yeah. you want to tell us about that? What did we talk about this week? What, what about celebration? Yeah, well, so um, yeah, so moving through those those three kind of flows, you know, what when we talked about preparation, the, the, the kind of the point at the end was that we ought to be a people of preparation that we prepare most thoroughly for things we value most deeply, mm -hmm, right? And mm -hmm. so as it uh, you know pertains to the birth of Christ and all that that means, we ought to be in preparation for the coming of Jesus. Um, and we ought to be the kind of people that prepare the way for others to hear the good news about Jesus, just mm -hmm. like John the Baptist was. And so that the, the focus of, you know, the kind of the, the central character in a sense of uh, the message that where we talked about, you know, preparing the way for the Lord was John the Baptist, or he was the one that was going to prepare the way for the coming of, of Jesus. And so um, we ought to be people like that as well. Then as we get to the, the conversation about declaration, it again, it's that we ought to be people of declaration and we get to join the angels in that as we declare. So the angel Gabriel in that case, we get to join him in the declaration of the good news about Jesus, not just in his death, his burial, his resurrection, in the fact that he now is the, he's a forever reigning king, but Gabriel was declaring the good news about Jesus at his birth because he was Savior, Messiah, Redeemer, all of that at his birth in mm -hmm. that moment already. And so, uh, so this week, yes, we're, we're talking about the fact that we get to be uh, a people of celebration as well. And I can kind of um, you know, detail just a little bit of that, that story that we looked at as um, you know, there is this moment in, in Luke chapter 2 
where um, you know, as, as Luke is giving these details about when this was happening and Joseph and Mary going to, uh, to Bethlehem from Nazareth, um, you know, the time comes for the baby to be born. There's no room for them at the inn, we sometimes call it, or whatever it was, whatever houses people had, there was just no extra space for them. And so uh, we sometimes talk about them going to a stable or maybe them going to a cave or wherever. Uh, these shepherds probably kept their animals, or some people kept their animals. Uh, the shepherds were in the fields, but animals were kept in sometimes barns or caves or other places, and that's the only place that they could find space to stay to get some shelter was wherever they were keeping these animals. And so the time comes for the baby to be born. Um, you know, we know that Mary wrapped him in these swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, and you know, we talk about mangers today. You know, all my kids were laid in mangers, but not quite the same manger <laughs> that Jesus had been laid in, where his was more of a feed trough for the animals that probably they had cleaned out some, but it made this place where they could lay the baby mm-hmm. Jesus. And in that moment, there, there's the, also this, uh, it's another declaration uh, that is made but a declaration made to these shepherds who were out in the fields nearby in the town of Bethlehem. And shepherds, you know, tended to um, graze their flocks, their herd, their sheep, um, out in fields surrounding towns because, again, you know, there wouldn't have been much grass in the town. And also because sometimes shepherds weren't considered to be wildly trustworthy people uh, in the first century. And so, you know, folks kind of liked for them to stay a little bit out of town as well. And so, you know, the shepherds were there nearby keeping their flocks at night and an angel appears to them and makes this declaration basically, look, today there is born to you a savior in the town of Bethlehem. He's from the line of David. He's the Messiah. He is the Lord, you know, the reigning one, the king, the anointed one. I mean, all these things that go along with this. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to go find him, this baby, lying in a manger wrapped in these cloths among the animals, not where you'd expect to find the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior, mm-hmm. anything like that. And so you go and you find him. And, and what's really wild about the next scene before the shepherds go and find the baby Jesus is, is this probably celebration that seemed maybe possibly, if we speculate a little bit, if you just you know allow me to do that, had probably been taking place in heaven okay. already as we get a glimpse into what was happening in heaven as Jesus is sent to earth, the angels break through, they break through the veil between earth and heaven and declare in this loud song, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace, uh, on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so um, this celebratory song, the angels kind of maybe lead the shepherds in or sing it before the shepherds. You know, we often talk about that being a choir of angels mm-hmm. that came and mm-hmm. sang and declared the birth of Jesus, but were celebrating as they're singing. Um, and, and I just, you know, that that idea even kind of boggles my mind. I mean, what what has to happen for angels to celebrate? You know, and, yeah. um, you know, somebody talked to me after. Uh, after preaching the message on Sunday morning and said, you know, the only two times that I can think of that I know that angels definitely celebrated um, or that we know that angels celebrated were one, this time when they break through this veil of heaven and earth and they celebrate singing this song uh, to the shepherds. And then also when, you know, when one who was lost has now been found, you know, that the angels rejoice in heaven uh, Jesus tells us that. And so you can yeah. think about, you know, what does it take to move angels to the point of celebration? Well, this was one of those times. And also when the lost are found. Um, of course, Jesus came to find the lost. And so all of this connected together, moving angels to celebration. Um, and so then the shepherds, you know, after, after, they, uh, after they received this word from the angel, which may have been Gabriel again making that declaration, then a host of angels come and they sing. The angels leave them. And the, the shepherds determined, well, we better go see this thing that we've now been told about that caused these <laughs> angels to celebrate. And when they find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger, the, angel, uh, the, the shepherds are moved to celebrate. Now, what's really cool is they celebrate, they go and declare, and all who hear what the shepherds have to say, have, to say, have to share about 
the birth of this Messiah, this Savior, this Lord. Join them in the celebration with amazement, Luke tells us. And so, you know, we see, uh, you know, a really neat story pointing us to the celebration that centered on the birth of Christ. I mean, that's, that's big, you know. So when we think about the idea of celebrating Christmas, I mean, there's been, you know, a question even among Christian people, uh, sometimes in more kind of conservative sects of Christianity, of whether or not we ought to celebrate Christmas. Well, if there's something wrong with celebrating Christmas, then we ought to have a conversation with the angels and the shepherds and let those guys know, <laughs> you blew it, fellas. You, you, you yeah. shouldn't be celebrating the birth of Jesus. Um, and I think the reality is we, we should join the angels and the shepherds in celebration. But, yeah. you know, it goes, goes well beyond that. You know, in the message, it talked about the fact that, um, that God throughout history has always called his people to celebration. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I think God wants his people to be a people of celebration, just like we need to be a people of preparation. We also need to be a people of declaration. We're also called to be a people of celebration, and we see that very plainly at the birth of Christ. But, but many other examples, you know, if we go to the Old Testament, for example, of feasts that God wanted his people to celebrate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so when you say God, because um, I thought it was something helpful, mm-hmm. interesting that you did in the message, you said that God calls people to be a people of celebration. Um, mm-hmm. You did, you had a graphic where you're showing like some of the feast celebrations yes. that even the year was kind of organized around in some ways oh, yeah. in yeah. the Jewish calendar around yes. these celebrations. You want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, I, you know, so there were seven feasts or seven celebrations that um, the Jewish people were called to as seen in Leviticus 23. Now, they, they celebrated other things and at other times. I mean, if you go to, you know, Second Chronicles 7, you see the celebration at the dedication of the temple. I mean, mm-hmm. these people knew mm-hmm. how to party, you know, and, and celebrate what God was doing among them. Well, it's interesting that all of those feasts are about celebrating what God has done for them. And I think for a number of reasons... God wanted them to celebrate these seven feasts, recognizing what God was doing among them and what God would continue to do for mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God calls them to be a people of celebration, I believe, because you know the remembrance of what God has done, uh, leading to the belief and faith and trust in what God will do, and celebrating that is, is a powerful act in mm-hmm. itself. You know, I mean, just I think about the reality of life. Um, you know, and the truth in my life is that probably too often I neglect to celebrate the things that God has done and the way God has moved in my life in the past, <laughs> which when I don't celebrate the way that God has moved in, in the past, it sometimes leads me to a place where I don't have nearly enough trust and faith in what God will do in the future going forward as well. Okay. You know, and so if we're trying to be a faithful people, celebration is central to actually the practice of faithfulness because it roots and anchors our faith in the remembrance of the things that God has already done. They're therefore strengthening our faith for the future in what God, in the belief of what God will continue to do. And so we remember, we celebrate God's faithfulness and it's not just a remembrance. um, It's more than that. It is the celebration piece. So if we just remember, yes, God has done good things in the past, but we don't allow ourselves to rejoice and celebrate over those. Uh, yes, that's an external thing. You know, celebration is often sometimes we do, and it's what's visible. We're celebrating. Everybody can see that we're celebrating. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that celebration does something for us as well. You know, there are a number of uh, psychological studies that confirm psychological, neurological, both. Um, you know, for uh, for people who are struggling with depression, and you know, I try to remind myself of this in the wintertime. Um, Smile even when you don't feel like it because just the movement of the, the muscles in the face to smile will release um, endorphins and, and other chemicals that help bring some, some measure of happiness, temporary, momentary mm-hmm. happiness mm-hmm. into your life. Well, if smiling brings some sort of, causes some sort of chain reaction that moves us to happiness, um, then what would celebration do? You know where there's lots of smiling, and it's um, it's something now yeah. that we are engaging in communally together as a group. And so you're smiling, others are smiling. You're celebrating, you're rejoicing 
it builds and strengthens a communal faith then going forward as well. And so there's so much mm. significance tied to this act of celebration. And so, you know, these seven feasts, go, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say something that with those seven feasts that strikes me about that is just this... Um, this organization around this organizing their calendar around these uh, these celebrations mm-hmm. that each have this deep religious significance yeah. that center them that ground them in their uh, their Jewish story. Yes, absolutely. Um, and you see some of this in our culture today of the organizing our Absolutely. calendar around celebrations, but we've created a fairly secular version of that. Sure. Um, it's not around, I mean, certainly in the historic Christian church, they very much organized mm-hmm. around Christian holidays and feast days. We don't practice a lot of those at this point, but um, now, I mean, even just think about how our calendar is arranged that <clears throat> many of these holidays have a season yes. around it. You hit October yes. and you've got all the Halloween stuff and you You've got Thanksgiving, you got Christmas, you got New Year's, you've got like in these big holidays that certainly we've got Christmas and Easter that have a uh, deeply religious component of it, although there is a secular version of each of those as well. But this idea of celebrating is built into our culture as well, I feel like, to some to some degree, but it's just a secular version of that. That's like a secular counterfeit version of what God had built into the Jewish calendar, we've made a secular version of that. So it's interesting to think what would that look like for us to redeem some of that significance and how we celebrate um, these holidays, especially when you're looking at Christmas and Easter, that we're really really celebrating the meaning of this. Yeah, I think that's great. Two two things I'll say about that real quick. yeah, I began uh, the Sunday morning message by, by talking about the fact and by trying to make the case that we are built hardwired for celebration. You know, that yeah. we, we, for the most part, now depending upon the wiring of some particular personalities, there are some people that probably enjoy celebration in a crowd more than others mm-hmm. and some people mm-hmm. that enjoy that less than others. But, you know, most of us are, are hardwired to enjoy the celebration of you know, our own birthdays. You know, I think about, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting to me in, in the last several years, you know, I've certainly seen people who celebrate their birthdays differently mm-hmm. or families in which birthdays are celebrated differently. And I've seen some here recently that don't just celebrate birthdays, but they have like a birth week. Mm-hmm. They'll celebrate for the whole week or the birth month. You know, this is my birth month. And so we're, we're partying this whole month in a sense. And, you know, you can see in that kind of, again, our hard wiring for celebration. I think God put that in us. Yeah, and what God yeah. wants for us to do is celebrate the right things. And certainly birthdays are wonderful to celebrate. And a lot of the holidays that we have to celebrate here, even on our more secular calendar, in a sense, are wonderful to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in that, we ought not to miss the things that we should be celebrating that bring us again to this place of remembrance about what God has done, reassuring us of what God will do. And, and you're right. I think... Um, Maybe we could say it this way, so this is the second piece, that the things we celebrate um, and maybe find most meaning in celebrating are actually identity forming. In a <laughs> Man, you know? I was going down the same same wavelength even just thinking of our secular holidays mm-hmm. that do the same thing. Every year we're going to celebrate 4th of July, and that is shaping right. the identity of a people right. who are patriotic who remember their country mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, by celebrating that so yeah I think that's really yeah right. yeah so they're they're shaping identity and that's you know so um, it, it comes back to this idea and we know this is true as, as church leaders um, if, if you build the kind of culture that you want to build built based upon the things that you celebrate so we know mm-hmm. that to be true mm-hmm. that what we celebrate is identity forming well if we know that's true uh, through uh, psycho- psych- psychological and sociological studies, uh, if we have found that to be true, well, then the God who created us would certainly know that to be true. So, yes, it makes sense that God wants us to be a people of celebration and what he wants for us more than anything to celebrate, which is why even the time of communion that we share on Sunday mornings, I think God wants this to be a time of celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, because the things we remember and celebrate shape our identity. So if we celebrate every Sunday morning, that Jesus gave his life for us, but now reigns victorious. I mean, that shapes the identity and the worldview of a people who then meet together to 
commemorate that feast together every week. Or if we were to, like the, the Jewish people, celebrate the feast of Passover, remembering what God had done to deliver them, or the Feast of Unleavened mm -hmm. Bread, also part of that delivery, but that God took care of them when they had no chance to take care of themselves mm -hmm. because they had to be on the run. Or first fruits, God is faithful in bringing the harvest. I mean, all these things. The Day of Atonement, you know, this day where uh, we realize that we are sinful and we're in need of some sort of atonement because we can't justify ourselves before God. And there's other feasts as well. Um, but you know, all of these things are identity shaping for a people. There's no doubt about mm -hmm. it. And so you know, God, God wants us to be a people of celebration. And I, I think there's something else in this too, Ben. Um, we've thought mostly about the effect so far that celebration has upon the people of God. But what about those who are watching the people of God as mm. they're celebrating? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so first, I'll ask this question. What does it say to a watching world as we celebrate the good things that God is doing among us? I mean, what does it say to a watching world about us and about what we believe? You know, as, as the pagan nations were watching the Israelites celebrate these seven feasts um, and the way they were giving glory to God in that, you know, I wonder sometimes if, you know, if the nations around them would have watched the Israelites and thought, man, those people are always partying. They're mm -hmm. always celebrating something and maybe realized in that they're always celebrating what their God has done for them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, so again, I think if, if people watch us celebrating the good things that God has done among us and for us, especially when they realize that our lives aren't any easier in this broken world than their lives are. You know, you think of a friend who's, uh, who's struggling through cancer right now, and he's someone that many of us here at Grace Chapel know, not someone connected directly with Grace Chapel, but, but someone that many of us know. Um, and the way he's walked through this cancer struggle, which is most likely terminal, um, has really been faith-building in some, in those of us who have faith already, but has, but has moved others to consider faith who did not have faith before, because he continues to celebrate the goodness of God in the midst of the struggle. You know, so I think, you know, that, that's the interesting thing about most of these festivals, their acknowledgement of the struggle that the Israelite people had walked through, or were going to walk through, or the uncertainty of life. You know, for us, we go get our food at the grocery store and, and definitely during the, the COVID pandemic and even in the supply chain issues over the last couple of years coming out of the pandemic, um, we have for the first time maybe, you know, I have never <coughs> for the first time in my life experienced some uncertainty about whether or not a particular box of cereal, a bag of chips or, you know, some sort <laughs> of snack was going to be in the grocery. But that's it. I, I'm not still I'm not wondering if I'm going to have food to eat. It is you know, is that particular brand of food or that particular item going to yeah, be yeah. at the grocery yeah. store. But it's inserted just a little bit of uncertainty at times, although a very first world kind of uncertainty, yeah. right? But the, <laughs> the, the type of uncertainty they dealt with from year to year, if the rain doesn't come, if the temperatures mm -hmm. aren't warm enough, mm -hmm. if the temperatures are too warm, if, you know, a swarm of locusts comes in, if whatever, we don't have these first fruits. So we're not going to celebrate these festivals. We're not going to celebrate a festival of first fruits or a festival of harvest or a festival of anything else if the rains don't come, if the temperature isn't right, if, if the bugs aren't kept away, if the invading mm -hmm. army comes. You know, all these things we're gonna, are going to present some real problems. So the level of uncertainty that they experienced was very real for them. So they were celebrating out of the struggle and out of the uncertainty and out of the brokenness of life in a way that was a real witness to those around them. And, and I think we, regardless of the somewhat neat and tidy lives we, we at times live, we still experience great uncertainty in life. Doesn't matter how, you know, how many grocery stores we have and what our supply chains look like, there's plenty of uncertainty in life. There's plenty of brokenness to life. There's plenty of struggle and heartache in life. And when we choose to celebrate God in spite of those things, man, what a witness to a watching world, yeah. right? So, you know, you take all of that and put that together. And, you know, talked about on Sunday, you know, I mean, Christmas time is, is a time that is a very difficult time for some as they think about the people that they've loved and lost along the way. And I wish so-and-so was still here for this holiday celebration yeah. as, 
you know, as some of us struggle, as like I do, with, uh, you know, kind of seasonal affective stuff that makes mm-hmm. this a hard season and makes it tough to celebrate anything sometimes during this season. And, so, you know, sometimes I even struggle as I watch other people celebrating. And then I realize, man, in the midst of the struggle, if God is not worth celebrating in the midst of the struggle, then maybe he's not worth celebrating at any time, mm-hmm. you know, because it's the real... Well, yeah. You know, it's the real stuff of life in which we've got to be celebrating good. the goodness of God in the valley, on the mountaintop, and all around. And so, you know, that's a, that's a huge declaration to a watching world. Mm-hmm. And so we're mm-hmm. called. I mean, you know, I, I think we may talk about this in just a minute, but, you know, I mean, it's not just the Old Testament people that were called to be a people of celebration or the, the Israelites. It's us as well. Yeah, so that, that is where I want to go next. Um, because in Philippians chapter 4, um, Paul, in his letter to this church in Philippi, he is in his closing writing some final exhortations to the church. And he says these words in chapter 4, verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Um, and he makes this call that we are to rejoice, or we could maybe make a paraphrase of that, and we could say to celebrate, mm-hmm. to celebrate in God always. Um, so why, like, why do you think God wants us, the church, to be a people that's always rejoicing? Yeah, well, I think um, a couple of things that we've already touched on. You know, celebration is identity-forming. There's no doubt about that. So what we celebrate will shape us. Mm -hmm, It it will create mm -hmm. the culture uh, that is prevalent among us. So um, celebration is identity forming. I think beyond that, celebration is also perspective forming. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of touching on that just uh, a minute ago as well, is that, you know, the things that we, um, when we celebrate in the midst of the struggle, that's not a fake or a false thing. It again puts things in perspective and says the things I'm struggling with, as the Apostle Paul says, for our light and momentary troubles. They're like nothing in comparison to what God is preparing for us. Um, in when we think about Paul's struggles, I mean, Paul talks about having having been beaten, being in jail, being rejected by people he loved. I mean, all these things that he was struggling through, shipwrecked. At the mercy of wild animals at times. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. And it's out of that truth that Paul is still able to call the current troubles that he faces light and momentary. Well, well, why and how? Because he realized what God was doing and was going to do, right? Had done, was doing, was going to do. And that what God is preparing for us is so much better than what we can ask or imagine this eternity with him where everything will be restored to what it is supposed to be and it's the coming of jesus confirms that you know i mean he is the first fruits you know it's it's interesting we look at the seven old testament festivals i mean there is a parallel between each one of those festivals and jesus in a sense you know Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. the passover jesus is our passover land the unleavened bread the idea of yeast getting into bread yeast is often used to kind of maybe picture or create an image of sin. A little yeast gets in and does a whole lot of, well, Jesus is this unleavened pure bread. He's the first fruits. I mean, Pentecost is the day that the church was established, Mm -hmm. uh, the Feast of the Trumpets. One day Jesus will return and what's going to be the the sign of his returning? You know, we hear the idea of being a trumpet, the trumpet sound there. Mm -hmm. Um, The Day of Atonement, Jesus is our atoning sacrifice. Uh, The Feast of Tabernacles, I mean, you know, t- the, the Feast of Tabern- Tabernacles is so beautiful in that you know, the Israelite people were celebrating that God was with them everywhere they went, even when they were in the wilderness. And here we have Jesus given the name Emmanuel. You know, Matthew talks about that. You know, in, in, as a fulfillment, he was given the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, so, so all of this, I mean, we have so much to celebrate. In that sense, when we look at the reality of the things we have to celebrate in God, it does make our troubles, you know, seem momentary. It does make them seem light. It's not not diminishing. Yeah. Not diminishing the trouble. I mean, it, there's heartache in this life. There's brokenness in this life. But in comparison, Paul says to what God is going is doing for us and is going to do for us. 
those those troubles seem light and momentary in his words and so i think that's um that's a big piece and then you know let me let me flip the script on what we talked about just a minute ago i asked the question um what does it convey to a watching world when we are a people of celebration let's ask that question in the negative what does it convey to a watching world when sometimes our i mean so i've got a friend who said this and i know this can be offensive at times and i don't mean it to be offensive so i'm going to give him the blame for these words right so maybe don't don't shoot me as a messenger no i think i think it's fair words you know what what does it convey to a watching world when our church services are not moments and places of celebration when they sometimes look more like funerals than Mm -hmm. than times of celebration or what does it say to a watching world when we attend a sports event and we're more excited about a touchdown uh, you know a bucket in a basketball game a home run than we are about yeah the god who loves us so much that he came to give his life for us and you know, what, what does it say when we as Christ followers um, who have the most incredible promises? You know, I think uh, um, several months ago I was studying with, uh, doing some DBS stuff with, uh, with a guy that I have developed a relationship with um, over the last few years. Um, and he's a, he's a skeptic for sure, um, continues to be a skeptic. And, you know, we haven't come to that place where, you know, either I've been able to convince him through words or the Holy Spirit has convinced him or, you know, we just haven't come to that place with him yet. But he said to me something that is that, that has stuck with me since and something I've thought about sharing even on Sunday mornings. But he said, his words, if all this is true, then this is the most incredible story you could imagine. Like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. So if, if all this is true, then this is incredible. Um, you know, what I what I have thought about that on, on, on several occasions is that we as Christ followers aren't people of if, but we're people of is. This is true. Like we believe this is true. And again, we're going back to Luke giving us all these details. In fact, I'd love to, you know, I didn't think about that at that point in time, but man, I'd love to go to him with Luke's gospel, Luke's gospel and say, check this out. Mm-hmm. There's a gospel writer that anchored all this stuff in history so that we could be certain in our faith Mm-hmm. And we don't have to say, if this is true, we can say, this is true, mm-hmm. right? And then declare, it is incredible. <laughs> and so we can be people of celebration saying, this is incredible, as opposed to people who, uh, again, live our lives you know, with a focus on the now. If, if we do just focus, and, I, and I, this is true for me, very much so, if I focus on just how I feel yeah. or what's ahead of me, or what the days ahead may bring, or if I start to worry about tomorrow, instead of focus on today and God's provision in the now, and beyond that, God's promised provision in the forever, I, I can be a person that, you know, especially this time of year, I could be, you know, Debbie Downer, and I feel bad for, for poor Debbie that she got the name of Debbie Downer, but it just kind of goes together, right? Um, you know, I can be... You know, I can be the person that, that, that lives a life that, that says, yes, I believe in, in Jesus Christ. Um, but the joy of what it means to have a faith in Christ is not flowing out of me. Something else is flowing out of me. And, and how does that look to people in the world when, when we're just as down about this life, when we're just as pessimistic? So pessimistic Paul, how about that? Instead of Debbie Downer, <laughs> we'll go with pessimistic Paul. You know, I, I can be that. Um, but if the truth of Jesus is good news that changed everything, then in the midst, and it's not that we're not authentic about our struggles, but in the midst of my struggle, your struggle, anyone else's struggle, we ought to see, be able to say, but God. Yeah, yeah. You know, yes, all this is true about my life, but God, he's rich in mercy. But God is good, but God continues to be faithful, but God gives me mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. to celebrate. And especially this time of year, mm-hmm. God is giving us something incredible to celebrate. So I think, you know, I think that's why, I think that's why maybe altogether God wants us to be a people of celebration, you know, because of what it does for us, because of, but because of also the witness it is in the world around us. So let's start to get practical with that and mm-hmm. kind of dial that in specifically to Christmas. And we've kind of been talking yeah. about celebration a little bit around Christmas, but more just kind of generic as this idea. So... Why, like, 
what would this look like at Christmas specifically? Like, what would it look like mm-hmm. for us to be uh, people who embrace the kind of celebration that honors God during this season? Yeah, well, so um, we can be a people of celebration, kind of, a, you know, it gave us an interesting side note in, in Sunday's message, you know, so while the shepherds were partying and the angels were partying, you know, having a celebration, Mary is kind of over in the corner treasuring up all these things in her heart and pondering them. So she's pondering these things. She's treasuring them in her heart. And so I think Mary was very much a person of celebration as well. But sometimes we have to take time to do what Mary was doing, which is contemplate, which is think through, it's ponder deeply, it's treasure in our hearts, the things that we believe to be real. And out of that, we can sometimes be moved to celebration. And so I think sometimes we don't spend nearly enough time. Just for example, I'm just going to focus on the words of the angel again that come out of uh, you know Luke chapter two. Mm-hmm. So you know, as the angel appears to these shepherds, he says this: "Today in the town of David, a savior has been born." So I want you to think about you know just that word: "A savior has been born to you." He is the Messiah. That's the second thing he says, and then he says the third thing is he is the Lord. Well, if we were to just think about the identity of Jesus, <coughs> true at his birth, a savior, revealing again, we've talked about this this month already, that we need we. We know we need something more than... I mean, anybody who has tried to... uh, Especially if you are a person of faith, if you have tried to get to that that place where you can feel good about yourself based upon what you are doing yourself, you'll realize you fall short. You know, and, and even if you're not a person of faith, if you're trying to feel good about yourself based upon what you can do yourself you're going to realize over and over again, you fall short. You let people down. We see that in other people as they let us down. And so um, I think there is a general recognition in this world about you know, ourselves and about others is that we're, we're truly broken people, mm-hmm. that we fall way short. And so um, sometimes you know, we as people of faith experience this, and I believe people you know, who, who aren't of faith um, you know why? Why do we, why do we resound so much with the stories about superheroes? You know, because we're looking for someone that can come save the brokenness of this world. I mean, I think that's. You know, I think there's even uh, what was the show a few years ago that had as this the theme song, um, and I can't remember the actual what the theme song was called, but the first line of it was "Somebody save me." I mean, that was the line. That was the plea. Somebody save me. Um, I think. We know on some level that we need to be rescued. Mm-hmm. And here, Jesus at his birth is declared to be that rescuer. And then in the, the, the idea of the Messiah or the anointed one, we see as well that that was God's plan. Like it was God's plan. God didn't just look out and he's like, man, these people are toast. Or what should I do? How can we fix this? And, you know... God was proactive. He had planned to send the anointed one who was anointed for Mm -hmm. this very specific Mm -hmm. purpose to come and be our Savior and come and be our Lord and King and all these things that we need. And so, you know, sometimes we have to begin with with a little bit of a time of contemplation, really reflecting on that. And again, that's that's maybe one of the tough things about the Christmas season is that we are moving so fast so Mm -hmm. often Mm -hmm. that we don't find time. But... In the midst of the celebration, can we be a little bit like Mary and maybe just retreat for a bit? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if we'd had, you know, if this was a four part series, maybe we would have gone, uh, you know, to, we talked about, you know, that we're called to be a people of preparation, declaration, celebration, and then maybe contemplation would have been mm-hmm. in that as well, mm-hmm. where we take those moments to retreat, to step away, and again be caught up in the wonder of mm-hmm. everything so that when we move into celebration, there's deep substance to it. And so I would say that's one of the practices we can embrace this season, especially surrounding the time of Christmas, that will help us live out this principle of celebration more faithfully. You know, another one is just being in these stories, reading these stories, seeing the celebration of the angels. 
yeah. seeing that. I mean, maybe reading these words, you know, from Luke, 10, Luke 2, uh, seeing, um, reading the words, glory to God in the highest heaven and, and peace to, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests and seeing that that was the, the declaration of the angels that led them to celebration. Mm -hmm. Seeing the way mm -hmm. that these humble shepherds received the words of the angels and what they were moved to do. I think being present in this moment um, and not letting the moment simply pass you by, I think it's, I think it's big during a season like this. Mm -hmm. Again, it's, it's easy to get caught up in all the things that are happening this, this time of year. You know, we, we as parents of three, I mean, you know, we've got our kids in a little Christian school, so we've got Christmas chapel, but even in that, that can just be another activity. You know, sports don't stop just because the Christmas holiday is here. You know, we've got Christmas parties where it is oftentimes a lot about fellowship and getting together, but where are those moments where we step back? And maybe you don't just do that alone. Maybe you do that with your family. You know, I enjoy the chance to, to have our kids take a lead role at, at times in reading these stories and sharing what it means to them and experiencing some of those things. You know, all of those practices that we talked about in, in, in the, uh, with the idea of preparation actually move us to celebration as well. You know, reading the declarations move us to celebration. Contemplation moves us to celebration. Well, I, I would ask in that too, Paul, and I think um, I, I love that. And I think that's so so true of the need to to slow down in the contemplation. Mm -hmm. But what about in the busyness? What about in in the craziness, in the Christmas parties, mm -hmm. in the all all of this big stuff we have going on? Of how do we just bring this mindset of celebration into that? That it's not just a celebration yeah. Yeah. of the the secular fun Christmas, but it's also yeah. is that we're focusing on the heart of it. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, again, coming back to last week, being a people of declaration, um, mm -hmm. I think is, is operative and not missing the opportunities and the moments that God puts before us to share our faith um, in, in a way that, uh, that is anchored to this time of year specifically. Or if, again, if, if you're a person who struggles uh, for whatever reason with maybe some type of depression this time of year, whether it be situational or seasonal or whatever it happens to be, um, you know, even in that, to find the opportunity to speak plainly the perspective that we have that is much greater than our light and momentary struggles. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. I think there, there are so many ways that we can during this season um, and as we're around other people Lean into, um, lean into faithfully embracing the, the, the principle of, of celebration. Um, you know, again, by declaring the goodness of what God has done in our lives, by, um, by speaking those things aloud, by speaking the truth of our personal situations um, in an authentic fashion, but then speaking what we know to be the overarching truth of God's reality, mm -hmm. um, that He loved us so much that He sent His Son who took on flesh, dwelt among us to be light in the darkness, to give light to our darkness, uh, and then out of that, ultimately, to give us this hope that we never could have had on our own. You know, so again, yeah. it's a, you know, by being all the things that we've talked about this month, um, you know, I think we can live out faithfully this principle of celebration. One of the things that comes to my mind is mm -hmm. um, over the summer, we did our youth series. Mm -hmm. We called it Whatever. And we were okay. basing on the verse in um, Colossians, Colossians 3, 3.17, yeah. 3, where Paul says, and whatever you do, whether in yeah. word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, yeah. giving thanks to God our Father through him. Um, mm. And I just think of that idea of, I, I might just challenge y'all to think about that and think yep. challenge myself to think of that. If, whatever I do yep. during this That's season, right. this, this applies to all throughout the year, but um, during this season, when you're at the Christmas party, yeah. when you're at the breakfast of Santa, when you're at the, all of whatever your activities are, your family gatherings, yes. you're out Christmas caroling, how do you do all of those things to God's glory? Amen. I mean, that might be yeah. something that we need to specifically think about. I don't know that I can fully answer that for each yes. person's life, explain right. what that looks like. But when we think of um, just contemplation, reflecting, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. That 
tonight you and I have a Christmas party. We're going yeah. to. Um, and what, is that, what does that look like, that we're at that Christmas party and everything we're doing there, we're doing that to the glory of God as we eat a good meal, as we celebrate, as we spend time with friends, that that's all happening to God's glory. Yeah, amen. Um, so. Amen. Yeah, that's good. And I think, you know, that's... Um, Sometimes we don't know exactly how to do specific things to God's glory. And that's where, again, as we've talked about before, listening to the voice of God and trying to hear as He shapes us and prompts us. And I know that's, uh, that, that's a deeper conversation. And maybe, you know, if, if you're not sure how to do that and what that looks like, you can go back and you can find, you know, episodes where we've talked about that before. But yeah, the yeah. leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit in those moments where we're not sure exactly mm-hmm. how to make the most of every opportunity before us, I mean, it's paramount. And so, yeah, that's good. Uh, so certainly for those of you who are, are, are engaging learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, this is a great time of year to be doing that as you may engage relationally with people who are more open to conversations um, about Jesus and who He is or maybe more open to forming a relationship with you during this season that may one day lead to a conversation about Jesus and who He is. So I think we've pretty much already answered our question about how we practice this to be faithful. But um, in in just a minute, would you just summarize summarize what we've said and how do we practice this to be faithful? Yeah. So so quick summary of that. Again, you know, realize why we're called to be a people of celebration. Yeah. Realize all the good that comes out of that. What is central to maybe your formation, your own identity. Uh, as you celebrate the things of God, how it builds your faith, and you celebrate the way that God has worked in the past, you believe He's working now, He's going to work in the future, it forms your identity as a person and collectively as a people forms identity you know, as a community. And out of that also then shows the world what we really believe to be true more than anything right now. You know, so we believe that what's in front of us is one kind of reality, but we believe that what God has put before us is the ultimate kind of reality. And so as we celebrate the good things of God, especially in this time of year, again, remember the why behind the what. Yes, celebrate, but the reason you're celebrating is because God has made His goodness known to us, and we believe He's going to continue to do that in the future. So put that into practice. Be a person of celebration and uh, see what kind of difference it makes. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing this series. This has been good, meaningful, I think getting us focused during this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you all for joining us for really for this whole season too. This is the end. Um, the end of this season is kind of mm-hmm. wild looking back that it's been a full year now that we've been in this podcast. Yeah, that's right. Uh, two seasons into it. Yep. And uh, it's been really meaningful. So I just want to thank you all for your feedback, for letting us know. I know how significant it is to me whenever we get to hear from one of y'all of just what this podcast has meant for you, how it's been helping you just Mm -hmm. in continuing to grow in your faithfulness to Jesus. So um, I think we both enjoy doing this and uh, look forward to coming back in uh, season three and hearing from y'all again. So uh, we will be back for season three on January 11th. Wednesday, January 11th will be the premiere of that season. So look forward to uh, hearing from y'all again then. And uh, until next time, y'all have a Merry Christmas. Yeah.